the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I'm trailing in on the latter part of the day with you. We are at 5.04 in the evening. And um, glad to be with you. Glad to be in the house on this Monday Wonderful Monday as well. I, hus- I hope and I trust that you're doing okay. Um, you know how we do it on the program. We talk about issues that are um, important to us, important to our lives, important to our world, and we hope to put together a two-hour program that's both edifying and memorable. And if you want to help with that, here's the number you might want to ch- you might want to chime in on our topics for tonight, or bring something that's really worth expanding on. You guys are a great audience. We have some really good listeners out there, and I'd be glad to take up a point or two that might be expedient and edifying for the larger listening audience. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host. Jesse Gistan, coming off of a wonderful, wonderful, worshipful Sunday. I trust you have as well uh, many good things going on in our fellowship uh, in Hayward. Just lots of good things. We did eight baptisms yesterday, and uh, we'll have a few more next week, Lord willing. And um, just having a wonderful time. We are in a series in the Psalms, Psalms 23. The Lord is the one who shepherds me. And uh, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the capstone to the whole life of the believer from the call of grace to the manifestation of glory in the presence of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the angels, the saints for all eternity. Wonderful development. I've got one or two more messages, maybe one uh, that we are doing. Looking forward to it, talking about this gracious host who lays out a table for his people who have persevered and made it through the dark valleys of life. Very encouraging, very instructive, very insightful. And it's all about the faithfulness of our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ who is the one who loves us and laid down his life for our souls. If you are trusting him as your savior, your little sheepish being will make it to glory, not because of your faithfulness, but because of his. And he is able to make all grace abound for those that trust him. You know what I'm thinking about right now? I'm thinking about this pattern in California where we are constantly dealing with fires every year. Um, The report is that last year in 2017, it was one of the most uh, fiery seasons California had had in hundreds and hundreds of years. And this year, we seem to be on par for um, another very, very problematic uh, era of fires. I think we have 16 major fires going on in California right now as we speak. This morning, as I was preparing to go to work, ran across a young man that I've known for many years, uh, Paul Jackowitz. He's a uh, highway patrolman here in the Bay Area, and we met at the gas station. And he was saying, PJ, you know, um, we've been up in the uh, area where the fires are uh, helping uh, the people because even in something so tragic as the loss of multiple homes, multiple, multiple homes and properties and businesses and and, uh, things of that nature, and even life. As you guys know, um, a number of very, very tragic deaths has has occurred. Heart-wrenching stories. I was watching the uh, story of the grandfather, how he had uh, been on the telephone with his wife, who had been in the home with their grandkids, and she covered them with a blanket, a wet blanket, and he talked them all the way through their death. Is that amazing? Is that humbling or what? He couldn't get to them fast enough to save them, and they one by one uh, spoke to him 
um, while they could breathe, and they breathe their they breathed their last breath, and it was just a devastating, devastating story to 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 read and watch. And on the other hand, the reason why police are up there and the national guards, etc., are because people take advantage of tragedy to do things like loiter and steal and rob and pillage. Um, speaking about <laughs> human depravity, there you go. Um, and so uh, it reminded me once again that when fires break out, the community is called upon to work together to put that fire out. And it's not going to be just one group. It's not going to be simply the firefighters. In fact, we want to pray for them. We want to pray for this older gentleman who lost his wife and two grandkids. We want to pray for the police officers, the military, and everybody involved, all the first responders involved in the fires up there. We really, really do. Because they aren't too frequently so far away from us here in the Bay Area that we could not be also plagued by serious um, firestorms. We could could be plagued by them. So you you really do want to, you want to keep our... Um, Military, our police, our fire department, our EMTs. My daughter is one of them folks that got to take a call and, and uh, enter into people's lives when calamity comes and, and trouble comes. And um, she tells me some very serious stories that go on in the lives of people who get sick abruptly and find themselves in need of the community. That being said, you know, um, the, the body of Christ, the church, is an entity in the world, but not of the world. Now, having said that, having acknowledged that fundamental axiom, which is not a verbatim verse, but it's something like that in John 17, um, Father, they are not of the world, neither am I of the world, but they are presently living in the world. Keep them while they are in the world, as the Lord said. That's where we are. And the tension is often, how do we live in this world and really be substantially committed to Christ and the glory of God in Christ and the honor of God in Christ um, as believers and therefore bear a viable witness to everyone around us, right? Uh, and at the same time, be productive and helpful and beneficial citizens in our world. It was a lady in one of our Bible studies about two months ago. Um, no, in our women's theology class, maybe about two months ago now, at the end of our class, I had a great, a great class, great series on Dancing with Deity. And she raised the question, Pastor Jesse, is it possible, as the old colloquialum would put it, is it possible to be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good? Is it possible to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? And I said that that statement is old and it sometimes is accurate given the context in which it is espoused. Certainly, if you and I are completely and totally committed to Christ and walking in the Spirit and mature, which is a process for all of us, but if we were there, let's take the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree that Christ was the epitome of heavenly mindedness? Yes, yes, yes. You would all say yes. Therefore, it is not possible to be truly heavenly minded in the biblical sense and not be of any earthly good. In fact, the goal of heaven is to bridge the gap between it and earth and redeem it from its wayward ways, both in terms of uh, people groups and societies, as well as the world itself. It will be redeemed, as you guys know, uh, both through fire and by grace. And so what do I want to, uh, how do I want to cudgel your thoughts before we go to break? I'm going to share with you some Puritan thoughts, and then I'll take a break. We'll come back, got a little bit more news items to share with you, and then we'll take your phone calls. one 367 one to call me with your questions or your observations, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, just doing some uh, you and me time with the Lord here on the Monday edition of Lifeline. First quote by the Puritan Thomas Brooks. He's talking about the vital importance of private prayer. Listen to his thought. He says, self is the only oil that makes the chariot wheels of the hypocrite 
move in all religious concerns. Now, he wrote a book called The Vital Importance of Private Prayer. He said, now self is the only oil that makes the chariot wheels of the hypocrite move in all religious concerns. What is he saying? We talked about this in our men's meeting on Saturday, Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from himself. Now, William Bates said this. He said, God will try our faith before he satisfies our sight. Isn't that good? And it's true, isn't it? We walk by what and not by what? Because God first calls us by his grace, and then he enables us to walk by faith, and then one day we will enter into the kingdom of God by sight. But between the call and the entry is a walk of what? Faith. And faith is the what? Substance of things not seen. The uh, evidence of things not seen. Substance of things what? Hope for. So you know you live in this world as a believer in a constant state of dissatisfaction. For if you had it all, you wouldn't be hoping. I'm going to give one more and then we'll take a break. We'll come back and read more of these pithy statements from the Puritans. Here's one that Thomas Brooks also um shares with regards to remedies against Satan devices. We just did a series on the uh, believer's warfare. Now listen to this. The best course to prevent falling into the pit is to keep at the greatest distance from it. (laughs) He who will be so bold as to attempt to dance upon the brink of the pit may find by woeful experience that it is a righteous thing with God that he should fall into that pit. See what he says? Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Other pithy statements, um, kind of to prime your thoughts. Where are you at today? What's going on with you? Um, let's take some Bible questions, Bible comments, uh, personal issues, personal challenges on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got three lines open, one 888 Three six seven five three two. Now, looking forward to hearing from you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. At the time five twenty on the Monday edition of Lifeline, three lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to give me a call, we are just talking today, um, priming your thoughts around um, some of the challenges that California is having right now with fires. Some sixteen, seventeen fires, uh, Shasta County. Napa, um, the border of California going up to Oregon, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres uh, losing um, their existence by fires. It's an amazing sight when you go online and look at it and you realize, like the young man told me this morning, uh, the highway patrolman, uh, in a strange way, God knows how to allow a kind of purging to take place Uh, in our California um, fields. Uh, Unfortunately, they carry over um, where people are not either prepared for it or um, are negligent, and it ends up being tragic. But I was just reading about Mendocino uh, 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 County and the complex fires there. Some uh, 20,000 acres have burned and is only 5% contained. Uh, When I look through all of the different fire areas, we're talking, ladies and gentlemen, hundreds of thousands of acres burning all over California. Can you can you imagine that kind of conflagration going on, spots here, spots there, and how bad the air is and how impactful it must be on the lives of the people that are um, having to be displaced because of it? So, yeah, please do. Keep them, keep them in your prayers, okay? Keep them in your prayers. Um, kind of moving back to our thoughts around uh, Puritan concepts. Again, here's another one by Thomas Brooks. He says, if it is not strong upon your heart to practice what you read, and he's talking about how we should benefit from Bible reading. He says, if it is not strong upon your heart to practice what you read, to what end are you reading? And what you're reading for, he says, to increase your own condemnation, If your light and knowledge be not turned into practice, 
The more knowing a man you are, the more miserable a man you will be in the day of recompense. Your light and knowledge will more torment you than all the devils in hell. Your knowledge will be that rod that will eternally lash you and that scorpion that will forever bite you and that worm that will everlastingly gnaw you. Therefore, read and labor to know that you may do or else you are undone forever. Wow. What a word. Listening to uh, John MacArthur earlier this morning, uh, speaking to his congregation about the challenge he has had somewhere in his uh, 50 years of ministry now. Uh, very good message this morning around uh, the temptation temptation a pastor might have to want to become innovative uh, and novel in his preaching. That is to begin to move away from the normative a meaning and execution of preaching, and that is an expository uh, development of the text and explaining what the text uh, means and passionately urging the people of God to simply uh, submit to the crown rights of Christ and ask for grace to obey. He was saying that he was getting to a place of wondering, how do you, after 50 years, maybe it was 40 years or so, maybe it was very recently, it it, it almost indicated that it, it was because John's up there in age. He's somewhere in the middle 70s, and that's a blessing to be preaching 50 years. But I can imagine him thinking that um, only 25 years for me. Um, but I can imagine him thinking in a time of lull, can people who have been with you for 50 years still benefit from the word of God, simply plainly taught, plainly preached, and you are nothing but a thimble. The preacher is nothing but a thimble. The pastor is nothing but a thimble. The teacher is nothing but a thimble. And you're wondering whether or not your uh, your mental capabilities, your giftedness, your time employed, your um you're working and praying and laboring and, and framing and outlining your messages will at some point over the time of that congregation no longer have an impact. And John realized that that was the flesh tempting him. That was the flesh tempting him to believe that the people of God cannot listen to the word of God from the time they are called and converted to the time they breathe their last breath. John was tempted by the flesh or even maybe the devil to think for a moment that the word of God plainly taught, plainly explained, prayerfully communicated, no matter how simple it is and how how we have said the same things over and over for thousands of years now, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, for me to say the same thing to you over and over again is not a burden. In fact, for you, it's your salvation. Really enjoyed what he said. He, he, he shook himself out of it and came back to realize that the only thing he has to make sure that he does not do is, is uh, give stale messages that are basically framed in packaged outlines, which a lot of times uh, pastors who are very busy will do. John knows you got to labor in the word and the doctrine every day and to ask God for fresh insight, even into old texts, in order to have a relevant application today after the umpteenth time with your own congregation. Um, so I really thank John for that candidness. And that's really what we're about. And what Mr. Watson is saying here, uh, what Mr. Brooks is saying here is that what's going on when either you read your Bible and it doesn't end up changing you or what's going on when you hear it preached week in and week out and you leave absolutely unchanged. What Mr. Brooks says is you'll deceive yourself if you don't think that there are consequences to being under the word and it not demanding of you some kind of accountability. What he says is, if we're under the word, and I've been under the word since 17 years old, some 40 years now, and been under in a very close proximity way, I mean close, and I'm even closer now than I was before, which is both a joy, blessing, and a burden at the same time, because as Solomon said, as wisdom increases, so does grief. 
And as knowledge increases, so does sorrow. In other words, there's a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief, and he is my wisdom and my knowledge. And I find myself being more conformed to his image and realizing that the world is a mess. The church is a mess. I'm a mess. And that the solution to it all is the one who came and lived and loved and died and rose and reigns right now in glory to be our um, vouchsafe and our power for living by the grace of God. He's the answer. But we only get Christ, ladies and gentlemen, through the word of God. So to the degree that you are neglecting reading, neglecting preaching, and not coupling it with prayer, you're accountable. You're accountable. I'm accountable as well. Three lines open, one 367 We're doing potpourri. I'll take your questions on any topic that would be within the parameters of what this show talks about. Um, looking forward to hearing from you. Going to take another break. When I come back, we will pick up uh, where we have left off. I got a couple more um, quotes from the Puritans, and then we'll move on in our program. I am really glad to be here with you. I hope you are as well. Again, the number one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. Here we go again. Here we go again. The Monday edition of Lifeline. Number one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I certainly am glad to be with you for the next hour and let's see, 30 minutes. And if you want to chat with me about anything that you think is worthy of discussion, again, the number one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Before I go to the phone lines, um, have you ever, ever had such a uh, an experience over your lifetime? Again, I'm fifty seven years old. I'm, you know. The older people will say I'm young, but I've been around a while, and I've seen a number of the presidents. Um, the earliest uh, president for me was uh, President Kennedy, Kennedy uh, and then from President Kennedy all the way up to our present uh, President Donald Trump. And as I have chimed in on politics on this program for many, many years, um, warning believers not to make their identity to be political at all. Um, but to do what the Bible says uh, about our presidents, our governors, our senators, our congressmen and our local assemblymen, etc. Um, I have never, ever heard the relentless firestorm of hatred, animosity, hostility towards a president um, of the caliber we're hearing every day in the media all around the world concerning President um, Trump, have you, have you, is there a president that you remember being completely just demolished? I mean, in a unprecedented uh, way without any kind of filter, or whatever. I'm, um, I'm thinking about some of the Hollywood actors and their vile protestation um, against the president saying things and uttering things that I just go, uh, who do, who? These people have just completely lost their mind in thinking that there are not consequences to that kind of behavior. Recently here, I think you guys know that, I don't know how they do it, but the the uh, Hollywood Walk of Stars uh, was um, given to President Trump. I don't know what for. I don't pay much attention to that. But I did see it on the news. Bunch of people gathering around the star because somebody was busting it up every time he got an opportunity with a hack, with a um, with a, uh, a pick. And, and they caught him. Um, but there were brawls and fights going on. I mean, serious brawls and fights going on around the star. Have you seen that? I mean, brothers going at it with each other. I mean, serious, serious brawls. Now, that all raises the question, for what? Why would you stand face to face with somebody you don't know? who don't mean a hill of beans to you at the end of the day, can't hire you, can't fire you, 
Can't bless you, can't curse you. And you're going to get in a heated debate over a man you will probably never, ever meet personally in your life. (laughs) And then you're going to start throwing down on worldwide media um, as if the whole world hangs on your opinion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, come on now. Is that the way to protect (laughs) or even protest against your president? I want to call you back to the biblical model of praying for those who are in office, in leadership, and not succumbing to the lower base level uh, behavior of the multitudes in our society. Just don't go that route. Got a, I forget his name, Lopez, the um, comedian um, standing over the star pretending to urinate on it. Well, there you go. He too. Is, has just dropped way on down on the scale of any. Well, he didn't really much, uh, you know, matter to me. I didn't particularly care for his jokes. He's corny at the end of the day. But when you do something like that, don't you understand? You go down in history forever. I mean, forever. You're going to be there forever. Okay. And when the winds turn on societal opinion, when God swings the pendulum back and starts correcting our nation. And we start seeing vice for what it really is and start moving away from vice and bad character and bad conduct and bad conversation and perverse language and perverse gestures and start walking in a little bit more of a sobriety and respect for our fellow men, et cetera. Once we're moving in that direction, all the people that were over there clowning like these folks. They're going to look even worse. History is going to judge you as having been part of the purveyor of a downgrade of our culture when you do that. So, yeah, be careful about your social media power as well. You can make a mistake. Um, We want to be men and women of virtue. Do you know what the the comment is uh, long ago by one prudent historian? Liberty without virtue is a what? Liberty without virtue is what now a lot of you guys have been listening to me for years. And I quote this, this, this statement often, who knows what the end of that statement really is liberty, which we all claim we have, but liberty without virtue is what one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I'll go to the phone lines while you guys are calling. And let me start with uh, Deborah in Oakland. Deborah, are you there? Yes. Liberty without virtue is what? Well, I don't remember, Jesse, but I do know this, that liberty without virtue is bondage. Bondage is a great word. Give me another one. Um, liberty without bondage is, uh, is uh, 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 travailing against the whole society. Destroying whole societies. Liberty without virtue is destructive. Destruction, yes. It's bondage. Give me one more. Think about it for a moment. Let's see. Liberty without virtue, without a good character, without a good mind, without a thoughtful mind, without a responsible mind is not only bondage. It's anarchy. It's not only destructive. It's anarchy. It's anarchy, Deborah. Yes. It's anarchy. It's, That's right. It, 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 it cannot be but anarchy, right? Yes. That's right. 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 So Thomas Jefferson and others said, we draw up this doctrine of independence for the people of the Americas with hope that as they arduously press toward freedom, that they would also have the virtue to keep it because freedom won is harder to keep than freedom gained. And what we know is that freedom is first lost in the mind. It's first lost in the heart. It's first lost in the soul before it's lost publicly and socially, relationally, and then uh, nationally. Um, so you're absolutely right about that. So before I go to the break, what did you call about? <clears throat> well, that's what I wanted to say, because I, I wanted to say that freedom 
can only be given to others when we respect one another. Yep. I agree. So so tell me, I, I hope you haven't been exposed to the uh, news too much, but have you seen some of this crazy going on with regards to President Trump? Well, I, I, I love him, and I'll pray for him, and I love all the leaders, uh, and I will pray for them. And I think that um, the goodness of people, whether they're Christian or not, is going to prevail over the evil in society no matter what. Yeah. Because evil will never triumph. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that would be biblical optimism in spite of all that's going on. I agree with you. And I think so. Why would you take that position? Tell me something before I let you go. Um, why would Deb, why would you take a position of optimism in light of all of the struggles that are going on? in our world? you know, there's a ton of struggle going on all around the world. You know that, right? Yes. Why would you be optimistic about it? Because a lot of people are not. A lot of people are not only pessimistic, as we talked about uh, in other programs, but very much cynical about our present world situation. What is it that motivates you to be optimistic about good prevailing over evil ultimately? Because our God is optimistic about us in spite of our sins. That's a good answer. I do. I agree. So then maybe we can quote. Um, we can, we can quote, um, Romans eight twenty eight uh, as a premise for an ultimately good outcome. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And though we meant it for evil, God will mean it for good. And that in the end, it will all turn out good. Is that, is that, is that a biblical worldview? Yes, I agree. I agree. Even the trouble that you're going through and even the challenges that I'm going through and even the challenges of our callers. Um, God, be very careful to know that um, the trials of this present world are really not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and to us um, at the return of Christ as we look to him and trust him. And I think that that can serve to maintain optimism in this life as well. Deborah, I really appreciate your call. I've got three lines open, one 367 5329 Three lines open, one 367 5329 Let me go to LaVon on line number two in San Francisco. LaVon, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. How about yourself? I'm good. All right, tell me what you're thinking about. Oh, there's a plethora of things for the short, shortest time possible. Okay. And thank you for having me on the air. I don't take it very uh, lightly by any means. Um, yes, uh, in regards to the fires and Trump, I'll make it short mm-hmm. and uh, brief on what I need to say to you. Uh, number one, we know that these things are imminent, that these things must come. Uh, we've seen too many things in the world. For example, Matthew 24, uh-huh. Huh? Uh-huh. where it talks about that there were going to be wars and uh, pestilence on the land and what have you, and a, pre- a myriad of things. You know, people were going to be uh, lovers of their own kind and what have you. Now, speaking in terms of Trump, uh, I think the man needs a modium AD with a new ID to counteract his uh, uh, <laughs> or any other kind of thing in regards to what could be abluted. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I know he needs prayer, and I agree with the previous caller. Uh-huh. He needs prayer. Uh-huh. But also I know that he has narcissistic needs. If he doesn't get his way, he acts like a, 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 a child. But some children act much more mature than he does. Okay. And then most importantly, he's supposed to uh, be called to a, a higher standard being the president, whether or not I voted for him, which I didn't. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> hostility. I see a lot of hostility and hatred and egregious actions and infidelity. What are you? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, or what are you doing? You're all over the place. If you want to die, die on your own accord. People want to live until the Lord calls them home. Okay. Okay. Would you be clear as to where you stand about President Trump, please, Lavana? Yes, I will. I will. <laughs> Number one, when a man leaves home, he's supposed to leave mother and father and come to his wife and become one flesh. Okay. Okay. But infidelity is not 
uh, 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 considered uh, uh, correct, uh, a correct approach to a man and a woman being together. You are supposed to love each other. You're supposed to have sex. You're able to do that because God ordained it. It wasn't dirty. But now you're having all of these women coming up saying that uh, they had an affair, an extra marital affair. Uh-huh. Uh, that's wrong. Uh-huh. That's not uh, a proper. Uh, that's not a matter of fact. Let's talk about even uh, some of the things he's been doing with Russia. Collusion men. In the penal code, it says that knowingly and willfully is a, uh, a penal code under 910. United States law. That is treason. So if you did something, you, you can't hide under it. <clears throat> and you can't. It's not secret. It's one thing to be under the song there's no secret what God can do. Right. But now he needs to repent, ask God uh, uh, to come in his heart. But because of this pride, I think, that he has, mm-hmm. he, he knows it all. He's a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. I don't know it all. God knows it all. Okay. But I think that it's about wisdom, uh-huh. which is important here. Uh-huh. I agree. I, I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that the president gets this kind of bad press. I really do, um, because he is called to a very high standard um, long ago before he actually occupied the office. He uh, he he failed the test for me. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, the I, very I, genesis of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, he, yeah. He took before he decided to even take office. Uh, these things should have welled up in this mindset. And when you spoke about well, hold um, on, hold on, Levon, Levon, they did my, they did come there. So now I'm gonna you know do a little bit of um, kind of tapering it down because I gotta um, actually take a break because you have covered it well. They did come into his mind. So think about this now. Um, if in fact he is manifesting, as many assert, and I I think this is fairly blatant and obvious, what are called narcissistic tendencies. If, in Mm -hmm. fact, he is a classical narcissist, which he has shown those tendencies. And by the way, uh, narcissism has a spectrum. Any of us can be narcissistic depending upon the subject matter, depending upon the occasion, et cetera, et cetera. That's part of the fallen nature of mankind. It's called uh, radical ego. That is when the world Mm -hmm. revolves around you. It can happen, like you stated, even with the children. Um, Trump has definitely uh, been... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over the top narcissistic <laughs> in ways that have just had me rolling and bawling on the floor um, only because at a certain extent, his narcissism is so plain and honest that uh, for me, I have a, 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 I have very little um, time for um, hypocritical and self-righteous and deceitful politicians. So that's a whole nother story. I'd much rather you show me your idiosyncrasies out front Tell me that you're racist. Tell me, you know, that you are a philanderer. Tell me that, you know, uh, I'd rather you do that because I want to know you. I want to know you for who you are. That way I can position myself and I don't have to be surprised by how you act. Um, With our president, he came into the office the legitimate way every every one of them come in. And therefore, because he's our president, LaVon, you know what we have to do? We have to pray for him and be careful that while we may be free and candid about talking about what we perceive in the president, that we are not ourselves being pejorative in a way that we are slandering him. We don't want to do that. Yes. And I understand that, and I understand that. Do you uh, agree with that? That very well. Yeah, I mean, in the areas for which he already has shown, uh, uh, showed that to the uh, masses about that. Sure. And then the oath you took, that's yeah. for anyone. Yeah, I agree the with you. Yeah, they, they agree. The, the oath nails it. <laughs> the, the oath nails it, doesn't it? With your right hand on the Bible <laughs> to do no harm, just as much as a doctor swore not to do the the Hippocratic oath. Hippocratic oath. Yeah, I agree. I agree that um, that <laughs> that um, our politicians, our uh, law enforcement officers, our judiciary, our doctor, all of these very important offices have always had historically a Judeo-Christian framework of acknowledging God as creator and the need to be honorable and responsible towards citizenship. And uh, when they cross that line, they lose our vote. And uh, you are expressing yourself quite eloquently today, young lady. Listen. 
Thank you for the call. Way overdue. Glad to hear from LaVon. All the lines are open. one 367 5329 1-888-367-5329. Love to hear from you. Going to take a, bri- a break, and I'll be right back, and we'll keep it going on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. The time five fifty four on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host Jesse Gistan, keeping your company for the next hour and five minutes. Two lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I am taking your questions or comments and observations about whatever might come down the pike that would be good for talk and conversation. Expand our thought process and even affirm what we know. We might even learn a few things if we continue listening to the program. Like, let me um, call. Let me talk to Kenya on line number one in Oakland. Kenya, are you there? Hi. Yeah. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. What's your question, comment, or observation? Um. So my observation and question that follows mm-hmm. are um, in. So you know, I'm new to, to my faith and. Um, I've been told that this is a time of a lot of zeal, and I'm on the pink cloud, and I'm in the honeymoon stage, uh-huh. and that, that keeps being reasserted to me, and I kind of take offense to it. Right, <laughs> Honestly, right. I'm like, I, I'm not sure that this, this coming to this realization of um, God's reality is really something to ever be minimized, and I kind of fear for the day that it is. I mean, even in the Bible... Um, I forget what scriptures it is, but um, you talked about it on Sunday, like, restore me to the joy of your salvation, something like that. Yeah, it was exactly that. Oh, no. Right, exactly like that. No, even even it's documented historically that, you know, it's not just the people of today telling me this. Like, so I kind of dread that. That being said, I, you also talked today about knowledge being kind of awake, um, wisdom being a weight um, yep, in yep, yep. your um, opening you know, mind. Yeah. And you've mentioned in the past in some of your um, studies that some of the most depressed people are spiritual leaders. True. <laughs> um, or something, something along those lines. Yeah. And I'm just like, how, how exactly, first of all, do I avoid this? And secondly, from my own experience, um, I mentioned initially tried to go to college and got so burdened by like, knowledge yeah. that I was literally comatose in depression and yeah, yeah. couldn't follow through and basically out of fear of further knowledge. Yeah. Um, now I'm like, I have, I feel like I have this amazing, like God armor, like as you put it, maybe, you know, still developing, but this yeah. amazing thing. And am I ready to go back into my studies? Um, you know, I might need to pick a Christian school. That's okay. Right. But am I, am I just like so naive about, never coming off this, like, amazing pink cloud, or is it, it really, like, I don't know, I feel like times are changing. I, and, I, and with the Trump talk, it sounds impossible to think that, but I, honestly, now in the, in, under the power of God, Trump has no power to me, so I'm just, like, I don't even, I'm, you know, indulge in that talk. But um, I got it'll you. Be the quickest four years, it'll be the quickest four years of my life, honestly. So um, I just, so I wonder, like, um, Will I be knocked off my pink cloud? And uh, pertaining to my studies, what? How do I strengthen my current state of? Um, I don't want to say zeal, but like of, of like uh, inspiration and passion. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I I got it. <clears throat> I wish I could talk to you about this for the next thirty minutes. To be honest with you, so I've been really enjoying you, Kenya. Um, ever since. Um, We started uh, with the Wednesday Bible study, and I've seen your growth and your development, um, and and more explicitly, because one of the things that you don't mind doing, which I have learned um, as a teacher, that there is really no foolish question, no, no, excuse me, no question not worth asking if we think about it for a moment and then put it out there. And you have been able to do that. Uh, multiple times after the Bible studies and the Q&A sessions, uh, which I love the Q&A personally, because I like to see how you guys filtered the study, how you how you uh, took it in and framed it and how it impacted you. And 
your comments and questions are a way for the teacher student to actually measure um, a comprehension. And what I'm learning about you now, Kenya, is that the level of growth that is occurring in your soul is giving you a um, a confidence also right along with the gradual development of a biblical language dynamic. You, you know what I mean? You eventually you kind of get the terminology right enough to sound like um, a, a, a relatively functional believer. You're coming, believe me. So be patient with yourself. <laughs> You're getting there. You really are. Um, you know, if I could help people inoculate themselves against a kind of um, uh, diminishing joy, that occurs if I could help you inoculate inoculate yourself against a diminishing joy, I would. What I do want to say is that um, when people come to you with these kind of uh, sugary phrases about being on a pink cloud, um, understand that they don't have the ability to share with you from a deep sense of um, both joy and um, uh, um, I would say uh, empathy, not in the negative sense. They just don't have the ability to frame their words in a way that says continue growing, continue maturing. Um, It really is largely contingent upon you and God as to how much this joy that you have in your initial conversion and journey Um, is sustained. And I know that to be true. I know that is certainly a natural thing. And you have already been through it since you started walking with God. Uh, Kenya, you've had dips, you've had ebbs, you've had flows, it's normal life. But the joy of the Lord that I talked about in Psalm 51, that David said to God, restore to me, is something that we can maintain all the days of our life at different measures and different levels depending upon how intentional we are as you're learning in the shepherd series as a sheep, how close we want to walk with the shepherd. So remember what I said, the shepherd does the shepherd has the obligation of providing for you green pastures and still waters because of our makeup as sheep. That's what's best for us. Good food and rest as we journey, good food and rest as we journey, sheep follow sheep feed, and sheep fold. And so if we could um, resolve from the moment of our conversion to stay close to the Lord and not do what sheep do, and you know what they do, they drift, they wander, Mm -hmm. they wander. Um, If we could resolve to stay as close to the Lord as possible, we would reserve that measure of joy that would essentially keep us optimistic and keep us on a path of confidence. And it would be because of a real sense of his presence in our life. And therefore a kind of balance that a good life requires. I'm I'm, I'm studying right now, Cicero and some of his philosophy prior to Christ and how um, uh, Jewish uh, theology impacted him around how to view the world. One of the things Cicero was saying is that uh, people need to learn how to get old. Well, well, I'm kind of on that tarmac and I am really taking um, health and um, uh, getting older and mature uh, in a way of, of wisdom and beauty seriously, because I want to finish well, which is a message you guys will hear in a couple of weeks, finishing well. But Cicero said that as you move from youth to middle age to older age, you have to actually realize those gears are shifting and then adjust your life uh, in relationship to it. That 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 observation is the same way I will um, address what you are saying as you continue to mature and grow and take on responsibilities in life and deal with um, maybe callings in a, in a career, uh, maybe motherhood, uh, whatever that is, as you take on that world, just make sure you take it on with God. <clears throat> Be very used to saying, Lord, lead me um, so that that you're not being presumptuous because a lot of people get lost by keeping their head down and not looking up to see if the shepherd is there more frequently than they should. Um, just make sure that you prioritize uh, 
the kingdom in a way that you can handle being in the world, uh, but not of the world. So Matthew 6.33 is a biblical formulaic phrase that I want to use. It still needs to be unpacked. But as we seek the kingdom of God as a primary objective in our life, as the sole grounds upon which our identity is built, everything else will be added. And what that means is when it's added or when it's taken away, it it does not ultimately impact our joy because our priority is the kingdom of God. And Kenya, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit of God. Some things you're going to hear when I unpack the Ephesians study after Tyler leaves in a couple of weeks. We'll be going through that and talking about um, how it is that believers are to perceive themselves in the world and in the world to come. So I want to encourage you to know that the way to do it, barring all of the crazy that goes on in our life, we can get sick. Um, and sickness can mess with you on a um, <clears throat> on a physiological level, on an emotional, psychological level. Barring all of those um, liabilities, the way the believer stays more full of the spirit and joyful and optimistic is they're taking kingdom matters seriously. Um, where you see believers getting cynical where you see them becoming carnal, where you see them looking very little more than the person that doesn't know God is because they've drifted. Uh, They may not know it, but it it comes off that way. So I want to encourage you to just simply stay the course. And as you begin to put on the responsibilities of school and other uh, adult mature um, vocations, just Keep the Lord as a priority, and that will help you sustain at least measures of that joy that you have now um, in spite of all the challenges that come. Does that make sense? That does. I really appreciate those words. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Going to take a break. When I come back, Ken, I'll get to you from San Jose. But I do have three lines open, one 888 I love when God brings about the new birth in someone, and we, um, as older, more mature believers, get to watch it and nurture it right in front of our faces. And Kenya is one of them. hope you know something about being born again desiring the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby maturing, being rooted and grounded in Christ and strengthened with all strength in the inner man that Christ might dwell in your heart by faith until he comes. I hope you know something about that. Three lines open one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. Looking forward to talking to you about whatever. Let's do it. I'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.